episode 124, Robert Green. Welcome to Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Worlds they live by, for example, put the cookie down. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, Yoda questions, yin yang, the alpha round, and their wake-up question to finish. To get all the updates and exclusive insider tips and resources of what's coming up and really be in touch with this show and make sure you don't miss a trick, head over to ayalpha.com and I'll give you all the resources through there. Sign up, sign up to me, and currently we're giving away my number one best-selling book, The New Rules of Success, completely free. So jump straight over to there. Get to the podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my bag. Right, good morning, everyone. We have a brilliant one for you today. It's all about power, seduction, and strategy. We have the American best-selling author and speaker known for his books on strategy, power, and seduction. He's uh, written five international bestsellers, 48 Laws of Power, The Art of Seduction, The 33 Strategies of War, The 50th Law with the rapper 50 Cent, and Mastery most recently in 2012. In his run-up to this, he's had over 80 jobs, which I'm going to ask a little bit about. He's coming to us live from LA this morning, and I really appreciate him taking the time to squeeze this in. So are you ready this morning to awaken your alpha, Robert? I am, Adam. I'm <laughs> definitely ready. Thank you for that nice intro. No worries. Is there anything you'd like to add to it or highlight or is, is that pretty much sum it up? Or <laughs> Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I'm hard at work on my new book, um, wow. which we can maybe talk about at some point. Definitely. But that, that, you pretty much summed, up, summed it all up for me, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask that actually because I was looking at sort of um, the timeline of books, you know, sort of so your first really sort of well-known book was in 98 and then it goes 2001, 2007, 2009, 2012. So I was just doing the maths and I was going to say, hmm, there could be another book around the corner. So is, is that going to come out 2015? Is that the plan? No way, no way. Uh, <laughs> if I'm lucky, 2016 uh, because it's kind of a big book. Um, a lot of research, a lot of thinking. I'm getting ready to start the writing. I've been just doing a lot of researching. So uh, I, I don't think it definitely will not be ready this year. Oh, oh it sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Well, can you tell us any more about what, what is the sort of rough well, idea? Is it got a working uh, title? Or? Yeah, the working title is The Laws of Human Nature. And um, it takes off from the chapter four in Mastery. I did a chapter on social intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is... Um, mastery is really a book about how to become a master in your field, um, going through an apprenticeship and reaching level, high levels of creativity. But I also wanted to emphasize that, you know, you can't really have success in your life or in your career unless you're good at dealing with people. And people can be difficult and slippery and tricky. And most of the consulting work that I do uh, in life with people who are very successful are political problems with with people mm. so it was a chapter on that and i got a lot of response from readers saying they really liked it but they wanted more so i'm kind of expanding it into a full book and it's essentially i'm saying that there are these timeless universal aspects of the human behavior of human nature and uh we're 
we depend on how we communicate with people, but we don't really understand the people we're dealing with. We're kind of operating in the dark. I don't really know what you're thinking about right now. <laughs> no idea what I'm thinking about you, et cetera, et cetera. And this is a book about how to reach a much higher level in your understanding of what motivates people so you can be better at persuading them, getting them on your side, or defending yeah. yourself from the, the many bad people that are out there. Blimey, that's brilliant. And I, I, I love the way sort of the, you told us about the origins for that, for that new book, the fact that you know, you've written your, your most recent book and then the fact that everyone sort of gravitated and really liked that chapter and just wanted more. So it's, you, know, you can't plan that. It's awesome. Yeah. T talking of not being able to plan things, I want to just touch on, obviously, I've looked at your, sort of your origin story. of You're originally from Los Angeles and then you went to Wisconsin for university and came back. Then there's that kind of that bit where it said, 80 plus jobs. Could you just tell us a, a little bit of the origins, your origin story of how you got to this point, right, writing these brilliant books and maybe something we don't catch on the official bio? <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I recommend if people want to, I did a TEDx talk actually in, in Brixton um, about a year and a half ago. And I talked about sort of in depth about my journey. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, I wanted to be a writer my whole life. I just yeah. couldn't figure out what I could write. You know, could it be novels or film or theater or essays or journalism? And so I wandered. Uh, I lived in Europe for about five years and in England and France and Spain. I lived in New York. I, I tried my hand at everything, uh, worked in, in journalism, worked in a television company in London. Yeah. What, uh, was, what was your least favorite job amongst all of them? What are you, you really know, not cut out for? <laughs> well, I, I really didn't like Hollywood. I worked in Hollywood for several years. Um, there were some good things about it, but basically I really hated it. I hated the, the falseness, the, mm. the really ugly power games, um, the fact that it was supposed to be about writing, but I had no control over what I wrote. People would take my work and put their name on it. And, and, and the low quality of the work, I was pretty miserable in Hollywood. I've had, I was, uh, did construction work in Greece. I worked in a detective agency here in Los Angeles. I mean, a full range of things yeah. to give me a lot of knowledge and experience about people, which is really what a writer that's an apprenticeship for a writer is to know about what makes people tick. And so I enjoyed all those different jobs and they certainly taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in Hollywood, this is about 95 or so. Um, and I met a man uh, who packages books, sort of like a producer of books. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if I had an idea for possibly a book, which I had never written before. And in that moment, we were in Italy at the time, at that moment, I just improvised what would turn into the 48 Laws of Power. That was my uh, moment of enlightenment. This yeah. is what I was meant to do. All of those bad jobs that I've had, all of those ugly people doing their Machiavellian uh, manipulations could all funnel into this book, The 48 Laws of Power. And so it was sort of a, a magical thing for me that it all came together. Brilliant. And, and I've never looked back. When it came to, so you've made the decision and like, like you say, it all came to that point. How long did it take you to do that? Was, did it just all just flow out very quickly? Because I know some people, when it's a book like that is built up over the years, sometimes it just comes down and you're just in the zone. I mean, how long did now, it take you to write that? Well, it's a good question. Um, 
that really it only took two years. And when I look back on it, I have no idea how that happened because nowadays it takes me at least, as you pointed out, at least three years to put out a book because of all the work that goes in. Mm. And not only um, did I have all that work and research, because I, you know, as you can see in the books, I do a lot of research. Uh, I had to come up with a form. Now I sort of have a form that I use. And back then, I really didn't know how, what this book would be like, how to yeah. structure it. And I think it was because I was so desperate. I was 36, 37, 38 at the time. Uh, and, you know, I realized it's either I succeed with this book, you know, it's like get rich or die trying. I was going <laughs> to, this was my one chance in life. Yeah. And I think the desperation, the sense of urgency, what I call in my war book, death ground. It's yeah. the death ground strategy. Sun Tzu says, when you feel that there's a mountain behind you and you have to fight the enemy and it's either conquer them or you die with your backs against this hill, you're going to fight like a devil. Well, for me, that was death ground. I either make that book work. So in two, I did in two years, but now it takes me longer because I was desperate and I was also younger. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> you mentioned that. My, my mind's flicked straight across to you. You mentioned there, get rich or die trying. I want to touch on, obviously, the 50th law, and how on earth did that collaboration come, a lot, come about with you and 50 Cent? Well, he approached me um, through one of his agents. They were interested in setting up a meeting between us. Um, he was just a curious guy who loves the 48 Laws of Power and the Art of Seduction, and he wanted to meet me. This yeah. is back in, I think, uh, oh, late 05 or 06, I think. There's some really sort of famous fans of that first book. I mean, Fidel Castro's apparently supposed to have read it. And, and uh, a lot of, obviously, a lot of the, the rappers and really well-known celebrities um, have read it. What did, yeah. What did it feel like when you started hearing about these people reading your book? Because obviously that was your first book. And how long did it take to get from just this is your first book to this is a, a big book and it's sort of well-known people are commenting on it and stuff. How long did that take? It well? started off kind of slowly, you know, it was, it sold well. I got some, uh, some good uh, articles and interviews and stuff, but I had no idea in the beginning. It took two or three, maybe four years before I started really getting feedback. Yeah. Uh, so I, there was a Jay-Z interview in Playboy, in which he quoted the 48 Laws of Power. And I go, wow, that was pretty important. <laughs> I had no idea that he's like reading the book. And yeah. so slowly, I start seeing a lot of rappers quoting it. I get feedback from um, this president of Guatemala, who has a stack <laughs> of the 48 Laws of Power in his office, and he gives it to visiting dignitaries. And he gave a copy to Fidel Castro. That's how Fidel Castro got the book. <laughs> I go to Italy uh, for a book tour and I suddenly get to meet um, high government officials who are big fans of the book. I didn't do it on purpose, but my books sell by word of mouth. It's a yeah. viral thing. I don't get any pub publicity, really. Uh, no newspapers don't do articles about me. It's sort of under the radar. It's yeah. just people read, read it and pass it along and talk about it. So it slowly builds. And we talk about influence when, uh, like you say, when someone like Jay-Z mentions it or quotes it as well, that's a, that's a huge, he's a huge influential figure and probably that could have even led on to sort of 50 Cent. I'd be, I wonder how he came across to your books. Well, okay, I, I kind of did some research and figured out how it kind of filtered into the hip hop world. Yeah. Um, one of the first people that, uh, rappers that had the book was Busta Rhymes. He wow. had a copy when it just came out. I met Busta, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah, uh, I love it. <laughs> and he said that a lot of people in hip hop, uh, business managers, agents, 
got the book um, because it was a time when hit rappers were trying to become entrepreneurs. Yeah. They were tired of the fact that the, in the music business, they were really sort of hired guns. It was even kind of like a plantation system they would compare it to. Mm. And they wanted to have power. And they had no, none of them went to business school. And the music industry is a really ugly world, really mm. cutthroat. And they found the book very helpful. And so through the agents, the managers, it sort of filtered into the hands of the various hip hop artists and, and it kind of took off from there. Cool. So we mentioned about uh, 50 Cent there. So he set up a meeting with you. I mean, had you listened to his music much or how was that first meeting? Because it seems like a, quite an unlikely mix when people hear about it. It works so well. I mean, what was that, was that first meeting like? Um, well, it was great. Uh, I was a little bit nervous. I, I listened to his music. Um, I liked his music. It had a kind of an edge to it. I, at the time, I had just finished writing my book on war, my kind of my version of the art of war. And I would sometimes uh, listen to some of his songs to kind of put me in the right spirit for writing the book. So I was familiar with his music. Yeah. And I was a little intimidated because I was the only, I was by myself and he was with 10 uh, <laughs> of his posse yeah um, and i didn't expect you know i expected this sort of intimidating thuggish kind of man that the, that you you know his 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 reputation yeah and he, yeah and he wasn't like that at all in fact it was funny because he he was expecting he was a little bit intimidated by me he was expecting this kind of older henry kissinger type and I was expecting this like really mean gangster type, and neither of us were like that. We had a good rapport. He's a really nice guy. He's really kind of gentle. Yeah. Um, he like looks you in the eye. He listens to. He sits there and he listens. I, you know, a lot of celebrities and people with ego, they don't. They just want to talk about. It's all about them. Yeah. And he was like he was really different, and we had a good rapport that kind of transcended all of the differences. You couldn't ask for two people from two diff more different backgrounds in America. Me, yeah. you know, middle class, Jewish background in Los Angeles, and 50, the worst part of the streets in Southside Queens. But above all of that, we had a really good rapport about people, about power, a uh, way of thinking that was very similar. And I left that meeting going, you know, Everybody is so caught up with differences between people, like labeling them this, that, and the mm. other. Nobody does a book like that where two people from such different backgrounds collaborate. And I thought, well, what, what an interesting exercise if we brought our two minds together and created something. I didn't know what it would be. I left it open. And he agreed. And in the course of spending many months with him, I decided, I decided this should be a book about fearlessness, that 50 is a guy who's conquered fears, mostly because he nearly died in a, in a, a he was shot nine yeah. times. But it's a kind of a, a zen-like quality that he has where he's just simply not afraid. Mm. And that, this would be a book about that. And he liked the idea. And then, then that was, you know, then we worked on it together. So good to get the sort of the backstory in that. And he, he does, he seems like such a nice guy. So it's good, good to hear. This is our Yoda question. So along this journey, who helped awaken your alpha? Obviously, the situation built to when you did your first book, and there was obviously the guy who sort of asked you about your first book, and would you be interested? Right. But it could have either been after you did your first book or at any stage in life. could be a couple of figures. Who really helped you take it up a level and find your path? Well, first, I'd have to thank 
all of the people who were my enemies, um, people who gave me a hard time, people who doubted me, who thought I would never be a writer, who said, Robert, you should just give it up and go to law school or, or you're not cut out for Hollywood. I have to thank all of those assholes out there um, <laughs> made me stronger. Then the man who um, asked me about my first book, I really, really have to thank him, Yost Delfers. Um, because without that, that man asking me if I had an idea for books, and we went on to do three books together, yeah. uh, he producing them, I don't know where I would be right now. I'm, I probably might have found my way in another direction, another path, but I, it would have been harder, and maybe I wouldn't have made it, and maybe I wouldn't even be alive right now. So I have to thank uh, that man for asking the question. And then once I came up with this weird idea for a book about power, and how it's timeless. Mm. He loved the idea, and he said, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. There are not many people like that in the world. We live in a world that's really conservative and rigid. People are so conventional. They're so boring out there. Everybody <laughs> has to do the same book, the same idea, over and over and over again. And I came at him with an idea that was really weird. Stories from history that reveal that power is this thing that's, that's very much in the present. And yeah. he said, I love it. And I was so lucky to have met somebody who encouraged that. And then um, I'm a competitive guy. I've always been competitive since I was a kid. You know, that's why I love sports. That's why I love games and strategy, et cetera. Whatever I'm in, I want to be the best. So yeah. once I had my first book, and it did well, I was like, I got to keep upping my game. I got to not let my next book not do as well. When you said that first book, you was around sort of, th was it 37, 38? I suppose. When it came out, um, I was 39. 39. And, 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 and the point, you know, that's kind of late in life. I was going to say, just listening to that, I'm, I'm 35 now. And just there's that's, and people listening, it's a lot of people almost thought they give up too soon. And I mean, the fact that you, that's when it really started to go well for you and you were sort of searching and your journey helped you to that point. I think that's really inspiring myself. I, I love that. Well, I had moments of doubt and my parents were really worried about me. And, mm -hmm. you know, so it wasn't all like I just knew what I had to do. Yeah. But I never gave up. I kept trying. I kept searching. Opportunities come to people all of the time. Uh, you meet a man or a woman like I met with this this guy who's a book packager, but you're not ready. You don't understand. Yeah. You don't recognize it as an opportunity. If he had come to me ten years earlier, it, I would have not been ready, and, and the book wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So it's it's more a question of and mastery. I really talk about this. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Have you developed skills? Are you a skilled enough writer to pull off a book? Have you been spending your 20s learning things? Are you hungry for knowledge? Have you spent time practicing? If you do that, something will happen. Somebody will come. There will be an opportunity. But if you're just a slacker smoking pot and dreaming about writing a great book, it'll never come. It yeah, doesn't it, matter. Be it doesn't dream. matter if Salman Rushdie comes to your door and says, I want you to write this book for me, you will never be able to. It, it's all about how prepared you are. You talked about your, your initial first big idea of obviously doing a book on power. And yeah. then it's all sort of flowed from there. What would be your definition of power? It's a degree of control. So it's almost like ma a mathematical formula. Um, in life, um, we have very little control. 
We don't control who our parents are, what period in history we're born into, uh, the historical circumstances, who we meet, and on and on you go in life. There's so little you control. Mm. Power is the tiniest margin of control that you can bring about in life so that you have more and more and more control over circumstances. You control yourself, which is the major part of power. So you don't get emotional and angry and do sort of self-destructive things. So you've mastered yourself. With a mastery of yourself, you now have a slightly larger margin of control over circumstances in life than knowledge about people and politics um, and what makes people tick. Giving, with that knowledge and experience, you can control, you can persuade them better, you can influence them better. Yeah. You can get them to do, you know, go along with your ideas or you can defend yourself against people who are attacking you. You increase that margin of control ever so slightly until you know you have power. That only means that you go from 1% of control to 4%. And so life is full of fate and circumstances and things well beyond that, what you can control. Just increasing that margin is what separates uh, somebody who's helpless from somebody who has power. Brilliant. Great advice. So, I mean, we're going to move into the alpha round now to sort of start wrapping things up. And I wonder if there's any, we talked before the interview, if there's any books, apart from obviously your own, which are highly recommended, brilliant books, but if there's any books that you, you've personally enjoyed or have been influential over your years or just could be a current book? You know, it's hard for me. The reason I don't recommend books mm. is um, I don't read the usual genre in, in self-help books. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, I know Tim Ferriss and things like that, and Ryan Holiday, who I love, who's, who's my apprentice for, for many years. I read books on history, um, and then I turn them in to self-help advice. Yeah. So, for instance, um, there's a, a American president, Lyndon Johnson, uh, from the 60s, and he is considered our, our most brilliant politician. In, 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 in that sense of the word. His biography is probably the greatest self-help book that I've ever read. Uh, it's four volumes. One volume is 1,200 pages. It goes wow. into just his years in the Senate. It was filled with so many brilliant ideas about how to manage people, how to manage yourself. I read other people's books and turn it into into something so but beyond that anything by Machiavelli is brilliant any books on strategy on clouds of its Sun Tzu, those are all great books brilliant okay um you mentioned <laughs> that you turn it into self-help I mean what advice would you give to someone who's looking to I mean you talked about just trying to improve if they can improve their their control and their own powers one sort of way they can influence their life just a fraction what sort of key strategies I know obviously you've written lots of about this but if you could put it into a few sort of, of the, the big key points, how could someone work to at least go ahead starting to improve their power? Well, there are different angles to attack. So it's, mm. uh, I, can't, I can't put it into two, three pat yeah. sentences. And, and people who want shortcuts for power, they're never going to have power. And I make that point in mastery. Um, so for the mastery side, which is you as a, person in your career who's just brilliant at it, you have to know who you are. Mm. So that's the key to power. If you're just simply on social media all the time, and you have I, no idea of what makes you different, an individual, what your 
source of power is, what your uniqueness, uh, I call it in power and mastery, your inclinations, your primal inclinations, what you were meant to do in life. If you have no knowledge of that, forget it. You'll never get anywhere. You'll try different jobs. They won't work. You'll be bitter, resentful, and you'll be terrible at the power game. So that's like sort of a key is about yourself. Do you know what you want? Do you know what you're good at? From there, you have to realize um, that, that we're a, a social animal, um, that you, you, you can't bury yourself in your work or in your office and be really good at it. You have to work and understand people. Um, so the ability to not to get outside of yourself. Uh, I talk a lot about this in seduction. A lot of guys uh, are bad seducers because they're inside their head all the time. Mm. They go out with a woman and all they're thinking about is, does she like me? Am I saying the right things? What's going, you know, you're not paying attention, but that carries over to all aspects of life. You're not paying attention to people and events around you. You have to get outside yourself, stop listening to that monologue in your head and really be interested and observant about the world around you so that you can learn about what makes people tick and what they think about you, et cetera. What would you say is one of your sort of your personal, might even say alpha habits, or when it comes to writing a book, some routine you use or something that helps you, you know, stay sharp because obviously you've done a lot of books and you've been very successful, but you're still hungry and hunting that new. Yeah. I, uh, I exercise every single day uh, mm -hmm. because my books take a huge toll on me physically uh, because I work really, really hard. I, I broke my foot and I couldn't move. I exercised every day. I found a way to do it because it just takes my mind off things and it makes me strong. And then I meditate. I've, I took it up four or five years ago, every morning over half an hour, uh, clear my mind, able to, to, to focus. And then I just work like a dog because I love my work. But if I didn't exercise every day and I didn't meditate, uh, I'd be, I probably, I don't know if I'd be alive. Yeah, because, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? When you start cutting corners, just when you think, oh, I just got to work or you, yeah. You just think, well, yeah. you know, a lot of people, you know what? I, 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 yeah, you either like this or you don't, but I like discipline. Mm. It gives me like a pleasure. Some people like get high on alcohol. Ever. I get learning things and being good at them yeah. and learning, you know, if I took up a sport, if I took up self-defense, getting better and better and better and better. That's what I get pleasure out of. So, um, you know, you either can relate to that or you, or, you, or you can't. But having these habits kind of grounds me and makes me excited about learning new things. This is our complete blank around. So I just want you to complete the blanks for me, finish my sentence, and we'll find out a little bit more about you. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so we'll see where this goes. My best friend would describe me as... Uh, single-minded your favorite movie of all time is vertigo uh alfred hitchcock movie from the 50s i could watch it a hundred million times it is such a great movie and we just you just touched on this and it's, this is sometimes an interesting question because sometimes people are usually talking months or years or long time the last time you were drunk was <laughs> <laughs> Probably, you know what, man? Just probably about six years ago or so. Oh, anything of uh, note, or just that—that that just happened to be the last time. <laughs> uh, I think I was living in—I was in New York, and it was really cold, and I just needed like a lot of vodka to warm me up. <laughs> <That's> you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not a big drinker. I mean, I did a lot of uh, 
drugs when I was younger, uh, in my, my college years. Yeah. So I'm not a prude and I love, yeah. I look back on those years very fondly, but I, I just, yeah. The, okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe four years ago. I don't mean to sound like that. Long. <laughs> maybe yeah. the last time I was in London. Hey, yeah. It's cold here as well. You need, yeah. you need vodka or something to warm you up anyway. Yeah. Who would you recommend that I interview next? Um, we usually look for either a, a recommendation from your network or just someone that you'd like. Well, you, you should interview Ryan Holiday. Have you interviewed right. Ryan? No, I haven't. And I'm aware of him. Ryan is, is great. He used to be my protege. He's now someone who's even more powerful than I am. <laughs> uh, I can introduce you. He, you know, uh, as I said, he worked for me for, uh, he started working when he was 19, uh, doing research for my books. I got him a job at American Apparel where I used to be on the board of directors. And from there, you know, and I've helped him with his books. He's a great interview and he's a really smart guy and, and, and he could, he'd be good. I'd highly recommend him. The other person um, is Neil Strauss, who I'm also a friend with. I don't know if Neil, Neil's very busy and I don't know if okay. he has time for that. Okay, cool. Usually I like to start the show with a favorite quote or sometimes end it. So, I mean, is there a quote that you like to live your life by or, or is just a current current quote that's in your head at the moment? Well, there's a quote by a, a, a British uh, poly, prime minister from the 19th century, Benjamin Disraeli, and it, wow. it's very simple. It's never complain, never explain. It might be the reverse. I don't know which one. And it's basically just don't complain. Don't ever complain in life. People don't like to hear it. And there's nothing to complain about because your life is what it should be. It's what you get from it. And never explain. Don't explain yourself. Don't sit there and waste words about, oh, I meant to do this or this is how you should hear me. This is what I'm good at. Just do it. And don't and, and let your deeds speak for themselves. So don't complain and don't explain. I love that, that, that. It's like four words that explain my philosophy. Absolutely brilliant. Just in closing, what do you fear or what have you feared in the past? Well, I kind of fear uh, powerlessness. You know, I've had jobs that were really crappy jobs. Let's just mm. call, it, call, call it what they are, um, in which, you know, I had no control. Um, I didn't have, wasn't making much money. People could fire me. And I hated that. Um, so my whole life has been about how can I get myself in a position where I can call the shots? Yeah. So I can write books with a high degree of control. I greatly fear losing that. You know, let's say people stop reading my books. I fall off the face of the, you know, no one hears about me anymore. And I have to go get a job at McDonald's, you know, flipping burgers and that's it. That's my great fear. So I've managed to find a career where I have ultimate control. I don't, I'm so lucky, I suppose, where I don't have that worry. I do have to make sure my books keep selling. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. Definitely. Okay. Well, sometimes I do a yin-yang round where, again, I give you 50-50 options and see where you line them. Richard Branson or Tony Robbins? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I... I'll, I'll tell you another one, but I didn't think you'd go for this one because obviously. You uh, well, I tell you, I met Tony Robbins uh, about a year ago. I did his a hands talk. are like bunches of bananas. I just, I just can't get out of how big his hands Unbelievable. are. That's Unbelievable. That's all I think about. His like, hands are, are bigger than than my head. Um, <laughs> on, uh, but he was a really nice guy. He was a really nice guy and uh, uh, very down to earth. I was, I was impressed with him. 
Um, but I'm not a fan of of his. So I'd have to say the only reason I'd say Richard Branson is you have to I have to respect uh, what he's done. Uh, I like I like looking at people's record. Tony Robbins has created a huge fan base, but it's it's the books and the tapes. Yeah, Richard Branson has created an amazing business. So I'd have to go for him. Okay, Buster Rhymes or Fifty Cent? I'd have to go with Fifty because you know I'm loyal to him, yeah. and he he uh, he's a great guy, and I have a relationship with him. But yeah. Busta is is a wonderful person. I'm actually met him before Fifty. He wanted to do a movie version of the Forty Eight Laws of Power. He's got the most incredible voice, and he's got insane presence. Yeah, um, even maybe more than Fifty. Fifty's got a quiet presence. Yeah. Busta, he's, he's like, man, I'm never going to get in a fight with Busta. Uh, <laughs> so I, 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 I like him a lot, but I'd have to choose 50. Do you think any one of the books would ever get made into a film? Is there ever a chance that? And if so, which Well, we're, we're, we're working on that. Uh, we have a, uh, the contracts are being signed right now with a, a major, very interesting new studio in LA, uh, in Hollywood, for doing a television version of the 48 Laws of Power. If, it, if it, on the, in the best case scenario, it would be like the Sopranos version of the 48 <laughs> Laws of Power. So we're working on it. Uh, I'll, hopefully next time you, you talk to me or, or read about it, you'll, you'll know more. But that, that's, we're, we're doing the best we can. It's not easy. I've been trying for years. Yeah. Uh, had to deal with HBO, et cetera, and nothing's ever, because that's the nature of Hollywood. But this, this has got a better chance of happening. Well, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time this morning and my evening to speak to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I, I feel like I could just keep going on and listen to you, but obviously I know you've got a very hectic schedule, so I won't take the, I won't take the mick and carry on. <laughs> so okay. it's been an absolute pleasure. And I say, if there's, if there's ever anything you need or you need to research a book over in England, you've got a friend, don't be a stranger. Okay, and just okay. Okay. very good. Uh, I'll, I'll pick you up on that. Yeah, <laughs> Cheers. Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. To get all the updates and exclusive insider tips and resources of what's coming up and really be in touch with this show and make sure you don't miss a trick, head over to ayalpha.com. That's ayalpha.com. And I'll give you all the resources through there. Sign up, sign up to my email. And currently we're giving away my number one best-selling book, The New Rules of Success, completely free. So jump straight over to there. I look forward to sharing this journey with you. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless.